This morning, we continue in our study of the book of beginnings, and it's entitled the book of Genesis. We have discovered four great events. We have studied four great people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and we are towards the end of the study of the life of Joseph. Joseph, the dreamer. Now, you remember this? Some of us have probably already forgotten this. That the triangle of God's blessings really begin with God. We take God at His word. And then we believe God by faith. And if we really believe by faith, then that faith will translate into our obedience. It is one thing to believe. It is another thing to act. On your belief. If Pastor Danny was here, he would probably ask you the same thing. Does truth change lives? What's the answer? Truth applied will change lives. Truth by itself is static, it does not move, it does not do anything. Once you apply truth, then your life will begin to change. It's like you're hungry and you have a sweet tooth and you see this beautiful, appetizing cake. How will you know if that cake is really good? You have to eat it. Of course, if you're like me, after you eat it, you have to eat metformin right after because your blood sugar is high. And... God has not only given us this triangle of blessing, He has shown us how He uses people, events, and time to transform people. We apply God's Word and through His Spirit. And God will introduce people in our lives. God will introduce circumstances in our lives. And it depends on how fast or how slow we take the lessons to heart. God may extend, may prolong, or even shorten the time that we know the lesson. And what is the purpose of all of this? So that we will be transformed to be like Christ. So true blessing is God's promise. Taking God's promise, doing it God's way, leaving the time to God, and then what will happen? You will have God's best. Many times, however, we become impatient. We want to do things our way. And then when things don't go as you planned, who gets the blame? God. Yes? And then we realize, why is this happening to me? Why is God disciplining me? Why are things not going on as they should? Last Sunday, we learned a snapshot, an overview of three chapters, Genesis chapter 42 through 44. And we were challenged to look at discipline as a lens, a pair of eyeglasses to see through. Let me ask you, if you are wearing 
sunglasses that are colored black. How do you see things? Dark. Black. If you are wearing red eyeglasses, I mean the lenses are red, how do you see things? You see everything in red. So if you encounter someone who sees things in red and tell them, no, everything is red. The other person who is wearing a pair of dark lenses, black lenses, will see, you're mistaken. Everything is black. Because it is a matter of your perspective. So the best way to see things through is to see why God allows discipline. And Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone goes disciplined, then you are not legitimate. Not through sons and daughters at all. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his, in his holiness. Now, while you're going through the discipline, you don't like it. If you like it, you have to see somebody. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we... As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't like discipline. But if we have a proper perspective of, what, of who God is and what He is trying to do, we will be able to embrace the discipline. Because, what is the Bible telling us? Number one, it confirms that I am a child of God. Number two, God's purpose is of allowing discipline is for me to share in His holiness, to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. If you don't like discipline, if you are not being disciplined, my friend, may I encourage you, examine if you are a legitimate child of God. Because God has promised, if you are really His child, He will allow discipline in your life. Why? Because He wants to train you. He wants to mold you. He wants to conform you to the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And God uses different ways, different people, different circumstances. Like that samurai sword. For it to be that kind of sword, that kind of strength, that kind of sharpness. The swordsman, the craftsman applies alternating from heat to cold and then hammer again. And then heat and cold and hammer again. And then heat and cold and hammer again. But the outcome is a precious, beautiful work of art. And if you and I just trust God, we will see in due time the masterpiece that He desires for your life and my life to be.
Do you like discipline? Nope. Sino yun? Bilis ah. I, nobody likes discipline. Why? It's painful. But if we know that the purpose of God is to improve you, to make you like His Son, Jesus Christ, then you will gladly accept that discipline. But we need to have that mindset, that perspective. Now, what is this chart I'm showing you? I hope that not, that is not your heartbeat. Because it's kind of erratic. Doctora, it should be like, you know, right? There's a rhythm. Now, if you look at it, this is the life of Joseph. First, he was born as a favored son. He was the favorite. And then he was betrayed by his brothers after he told them about his two dreams. Seven sheaves bowing down to him, the sun, the moon bowing down to him. And then he was sold as a slave. They wanted to kill him, but they had a change of heart, a change of mind. Let's just sell him into slavery. And then, when he was a slave, he was a promoted. He was promoted to be the one in charge of the household of Potiphar. Those of you who grew up in the Philippines, you know, the Peninsulares and Insulares, they have mayordomo, mayordoma. Right? The one in charge of the house. But then, he was falsely accused by the wife of Potiphar, who said that he tried to rape her. But in truth, she was the one tempting Joseph to have sexual relations with her. Because he was falsely accused, he was imprisoned. But again, even in jail, because God's presence was with him, God preserved him, God prospered him, he was promoted again. But then, even if he was promoted, he was forgotten. After he was forgotten, however, he was eventually promoted to be the prime minister of Egypt. All of those ups and downs, the heat and the cold, the roller coaster of the Christian life eventually lifted Joseph up to the position where God exactly wanted him to be. You see, when what does God's discipline mean for us because of Jesus? Number one, we can trust God's discipline. Because we know that God's heart is good. That it is for us and not against us. We can invest in discipleship relationships. I don't know about you. I need people in my life to help point out the areas that I need to change. That's where we have the discipleship going on. We can balance truth and grace. Many of you perhaps do not like the discipleship relationship because... oh. Oh, oh, puro truth. Walang grace. Remember Adrian was here last Sunday and he shared, you know, for, for, for a time, it's all truth. Hello? Did you sin this week? Hello? Did you sin again? Hello? Did you sin some more? Where's truth and grace? So in the discipleship relationship, you have truth, 
you have grace. Sometimes we have Bible studies. Sometimes we go hiking. It's not always just about what God is doing or allowing in your life. It's fellowship. It's enjoying each other's company. Because in that relationship, then you can call each other to account, but also exercise the grace that God has so freely given us. The last. What does God's discipline mean for us because of Jesus? We have a sober and glorious hope. We can, we can, we can. But we have a sober and glorious hope because of Jesus Christ. This morning, we continue. Intro pa lang yan. Chapter 45. Okay? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can study it. We thank you that we can apply it. We thank you that you bring people and circumstances in our lives, knowing that what you want for us to be is to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Allow us, Lord, with every time that we encounter adversity in our lives, that we trust you and we trust your heart. We commit to you this time, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes! Okay. The title of the message this morning, you fill in the blanks, okay? Honesty is... Wait, bakit only three people are away? <laughs> fill in the blanks. Honesty is the... Okay, my title this morning is a little different. Honesty is the blessed policy. Honesty is the blessed policy. That song is not true. What song? Honesty is such a lonely word. Huh? Song is not true. Why is it not true? Because the Bible tells us the hurts of a friend are more precious than the kisses of an enemy. So if you're a Christian, honesty is the blessed policy. Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Have you ever had a secret? You're planning a surprise, and you're trying your best to keep that secret, but you're being pressured. Tell me. Tell me what's going on. I can, I can imagine Joseph. These are my brothers. These are my brothers who wanted to kill me, who sold me into slavery. It's payback time. But look at what he's saying. He could no longer keep it within himself. Because he was now in a position as the prime minister of Egypt. And what did he say? Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. What did he do? He cleared the room. 
Who was left? Just Joseph, the prime minister, and his brothers. I was called into a situation similar to this, but just by everybody out. I was called in to pray for someone who was near death. When I came in, the person was told, the pastor is here. The pastor is here. Everybody out. Just me and the pastor. And godly as I am, what am I doing here? Why does he want everybody out except the pastor? Why? I don't even know him. He doesn't even know me. Everybody out. Just me and the pastor. Okay. So I sat down beside him. His hair was ascent. His mouth was full of lesions. His eyes were red. And one eye was looking the other way. The other eye was looking the other way. So I sat by, down beside him. And he said, Are you the pastor? I said, Yes. I don't want you to pray for my healing. I want to die. I'm in so much pain. I want to die. Oh, no problem. <laughs> what will I do? Will I pray for his healing? I told him, if that is your desire, I will not pray for your healing. But where will you go when you die? Why will you pray for something the person doesn't want? See, the Bible tells us that when there is prayer, there must be agreement. Yes? yes? The person doesn't want to pray for healing. Okay, I won't pray for healing. But where will you go when you die? That's the question. Now, this guy, Joseph, kept this secret. He's in front of his People, his family, his brothers. Finally, he lets it out with a huge cry. You know, tears of joy, mixed emotions, and finally, he discloses himself. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard of it. Not only that, even the whole household heard of it. Have you ever gone through such emotion that the only thing that you could do probably is to just shout? And just, you're so flooded with emotions, you don't even have words to say anymore, and you just wail and shout. Imagine Joseph, finally. Ah! And the whole household heard about it. He wept so bitterly. He was wailing. And what did he do? Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. If you are his brothers. But look what is his immediate next question. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? You know, they've been separated. The Bible does not explain to us how long the timetable is. But the moment he discloses who he is, is our father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Imagine. You are in front this person that you almost killed and he now occupies a position of power if he commands 
remove them and behead all of them. Can he do it? He's the prince of Egypt. He can do it. They were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Come. What does Joseph want? He wants reconciliation. He wants the family back together. They should not be afraid even of who God has made him now. Do you have someone who is estranged from you? A child, a sibling, a parent? God is glorified when relationships are restored. You just have to be honest. Honest with yourself honest with those people with whom you are estranged. He said to them, Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Joseph is reminding them and telling them, I know what you did. But don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be grieved. Why? Because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Who sold Joseph into slavery. His brothers. But what is the perspective of Joseph? Not you. God. God allowed this. God sent me to go before you. Because God is preparing something. Why did Joseph say that God is preserving you? Why? Because in Genesis chapter 15, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, and he took him outside and said, Now look forward, look toward the heavens, and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. If Joseph was not at the right place at the right time with those seven years of famine, what could possibly happen to Jacob, his father, and the rest of their family? Dead. That's why he said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Why? Because of the promise God gave Abraham in Genesis 15 verse 5. To preserve you. So that God could fulfill his promise that so as the stars are, so shall your descendants be, Abraham. So in verse 8 he says, Now therefore, it's not you. It is God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household 
and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph's perspective was completely focused on God. He did not focus on what his brothers did to him. He did not focus on not being able to see his father. He did not focus on the false accusation and jail time he went through. He focused on God and God alone. And he was just honest. I know what you did, but God allowed it. It was God who was orchestrating all of these things. Hurry! Go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Joseph never forgot about his dad. He was concerned about his dad. Get dad. Tell them. Tell him, I'm still alive. Be honest. Why do they have to be honest? Because they gave a false report. They gave the robe of many colors, putting blood of the animal over there. And Jacob, now named Israel, identify that robe as this indeed is my son's robe and he mourned the death of Joseph now they're going to come back to their dad uh, dad by the way after all of this I don't know how many years uh, Joseph is still alive <laughs> Joseph is alive Joseph wants them to come to Egypt the whole family and where they will live near Joseph and they will bring everything that they have. And when they come, he says in verse 11, There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come. You and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. See? Because of the famine. Behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that if this is my mouth which I'm speaking to you, now you must tell my father from all, of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Why is Joseph saying that there are still five more years? When he was in the household of Pharaoh, there Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret that dream. Until the guy he met in jail remembered. He was forgotten for two years. For two additional years, he languished in jail. And then he was called up. And then Pharaoh told him of a dream. His dream. And he said, he gave glory to God. He said, only God can interpret dreams. Two sevens. Seven weak cows, thin cows, seven fattened cows. These seven years of fattened cows will be seven years of abundance. Seven weak cows, thin cows, seven years of famine. So he said, Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in the land of Egypt. And after then, seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravish the land. That's why he said, 
go and get dad because there are still going to be five more years of this famine. And if you do not come, you will be impoverished. Come, bring dad over. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin kept, Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. Now, when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Now, why did Joseph embrace Benjamin first? Remember this dysfunctional family? You have two wives, you have concubines and all that. Benjamin is his only full brother. You get it? By Rachel, Israel, Jacob had only two children. Firstborn, Joseph. The last, when Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin, she died. So, Benjamin is his true 100% brother. Now look at what happened. When the Egyptians found out that these were Joseph's brother, how did they respond? Nako! Now we have to feed this additional? We're already feeding them. Now he's bringing 11 more? My golly! The kitchen will be... Who has to clean after them? Who's going to clean their plates? Was that their attitude? Oh, Bobby, Bobby, will, Bobby will clean the plates. Look, when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brother had come, it pleased Pharaoh and it pleased his servants. Joseph had such a good reputation among Pharaoh and his household. Remember when we studied the presence, provision, and blessing of God. Because the presence of God was with Joseph, Joseph was blessed. Because of the presence of God in Joseph, all the people around Joseph were likewise blessed. So he had such a good reputation that it preceded him that when some good news happens to Joseph, the whole household of Pharaoh rejoices with it. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts, go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are ordered. Do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourself with your goods for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Is Joseph favored? Who is now going to be blessed because of God's favor in the life of Joseph? His entire household, even his own brothers who plotted to kill him. He was so favored. It's one thing to say, you know, it's a good idea, Joseph. I think it's a good idea for you to bring your family here. It's another thing for Pharaoh to command. So ordered. 
You must go and bring your father and everyone. You must. This is my decree. Bring them here. Why? They will experience the best the land of Egypt because of Joseph. Because God's favor was on Joseph. Because finally, he was able to disclose who he really was. He's not only the prince of Egypt. He is my brother. And because of God's favor upon Joseph, God orchestrated all of these events to preserve the family of Jacob, the tribe of Israel. It's one thing to say, good idea. It's another thing for Pharaoh to say, this is my command to you. Now, if Pharaoh commands, are you supposed to obey? Yes. And what's the command? Bring everyone back so that they may settle here, that they may experience the blessing of the land of Egypt. Why? Why is there blessing even if there's famine? Because Joseph already told them, these seven years are supposed to be years of abundance. You store up. You preserve so that when the seven years of famine come, you have food. Why would this pagan king, this pharaoh, accord Joseph such blessing? Why? Because Proverbs tells us the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. You concerned with the elections in the Philippines? You concerned about the politics in the U.S.? The hearts of kings are in the hand of God. And he turns it wherever he chooses. Do you trust God? Duterte. Duterte. You do not know what is going to happen in the Philippines. You do not know how the new president in the Philippines is going to direct the affairs of government. You do not know who's going to win the elections in November. You do not know how that winner will run things. But one thing I do know, the hearts of the king are what? Are like channels of water. And it is God who directs them. Sometimes God allows a bad government to discipline us. You, you believe in that? <laughs> I don't know why, but very vigorous. Verse 21. Because Pharaoh commanded, now what? Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them, he gave changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. You remember that this family is a dysfunctional family? Do you see that there is still favoritism? They're all his brothers. But to Benjamin, he gave extra. Three changes of clothes for you, five for Benjamin. You already have three clothes for you, okay ka na dyan. 
Benjamin, five changes of clothes plus 300 pieces of silver. See, favoritism is still there. You know, bad habits are hard to remove. Very bad, very hard to remove. You know why? Spell habit. H-A-B-I-T. Remove the H. A bit. Remove the A. Bit. Remove the B. See? Very hard. The favoritism that started many, many years ago is still there. There is still a remnant of that favoritism. To his father, he sent as follows. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt. Ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away. And as they departed, he said, Don't quarrel on the journey. Is Joseph aware of how his brothers can operate? It happened to him. His father sent him, can you check what's going on with your brothers? When he was still far away, hmm, here's the dreamer. We better kill him. And then Reuben said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just put him into this dry well. And they quarreled over how they were going to dispose of Joseph. So he knows. Don't quarrel along the way. Benjamin has more than you. Don't try to kill him too. Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. These are the people who gave the report that Joseph was dead. These are the same people that are coming to report that Joseph is alive. In Filipino, when you said, Oh, Right? Oh. <laughs> Our guests will not understand what we're doing, you know. He was stunned. He did not believe them. So how did they convince their own father that Joseph was still alive? When they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. When they showed him the cloak of many colors with blood, he mourned. He knew, he identified, this is the robe of my son. He has been devoured by wild animals. He is gone. But when they told him and showed him Every, remember, there is a famine in the land. Where are you going to muster all of this grain, all of this provision, if not that your words, your report are indeed true? Because honesty is the blessed policy. So what did he do? Then Israel said, it is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. 
I will go see him before I die. Was Jacob excited to see his son? Mind you, this is his favorite son. And he was convinced by the words and the gifts that were sent that indeed Joseph is really alive. And there is a chance for this great family reunion in a land that is blessed with abundance. Why? Because according to Joseph, God, God sent me before, before all of you. It was, yes, you did this, but it was God's plan to preserve our people so that God can fulfill his promise to Abraham. I believe you and I will go and see my son before I die what's the message today honesty is the blessed policy if he was not honest if he was selfish he would not have disclosed who he really was to his brothers and then what would have happened what could have happened they could have gone back to Jacob, to Canaan, and they could have all just died away. Yes? Was that not a possibility? But was that the plan of God? No. You have to be honest. You have to be transparent. You have to be vulnerable. Because until you come to that point in your spiritual life, there will be pockets of undisclosed sin that are lurking around and you do not know why your spiritual life is at a plateau. That's why we encourage you to be part of a discipleship group where you can be honest, when you can be transparent, where you can share your victories and where you can share your defeats. So that we can exercise truth, grace, love, and mercy. Uh, me, I'm pastor, I'm honest. Really? Okay, good. Uh, to whom? I, no, just by myself. You are honestly a lone ranger Christian. And nobody is around you to help you, to sustain you. You have no community to help you in your walk. And if it's already hard, already being a Christian within the context of a community of fellow believers who love you enough to share with you, brother, sister, this is an area that you need to improve in Christ-likeness. How much more if you do that by yourself? Oh, I just bought a bigger mirror. And I talked to the person in the mirror. Do you know this is what you need to do? And who's going to answer back? You also? This is the life of Joseph, right? And we are encouraged and we encourage you that every time you read the Bible, try to look for Jesus. 
or representations of Jesus Christ. The Bible is really his story. So this is the life of Joseph. Now if we use the same graph, we can say that that could also be a picture of the life of Jesus. He was born in a manger. I'm going to skip the others. I'm just going to the, the most important parts. He was hailed as Messiah. These are all true. The lowest part was he was crucified on a man-made cross. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that he is seated in the right hand of God. Did Jesus go through something like Joseph? Yes. You just have to be honest. Honest with yourself, honest with the God, so that you can experience the blessed life that God intends you to experience. You see, we have to be honest about our curse without Christ. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. Isaiah 59.2 tells us your iniquities have made the separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You have to be honest with yourself that these verses are talking about you. Now you can debate all you want. But this is what God says about us without Christ. That's the truth. Now what is the grace? Our blessing with Christ. Okay? Our curse without Christ. Our blessing with Christ. John 1.12 as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Colossians 1, 13-14 For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You see, the band and I don't communicate. I just give them like a snap. Oh, this is the theme. But I was sort of standing there and singing and ha! Ah, when they sang that song. Yes. They don't know that I'm going to use this verse. I don't know that they're going to sing that song. But see, if you were listening and worshiping with us, He transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're redeemed. Your sins are forgiven. That is the blessing if you are in Christ. You have to be honest. And what you need to do is to be honest with God. But what does it say in Romans? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is. The word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, 
and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You have to be honest. Because without honesty, the blessing will not come. If you are honest about your curse, your position without Christ, that you are going to spend the rest of eternity separated from God because of your sin, and you become honest with yourself that only Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that without Him there is no redemption, no forgiveness of sin, then you have to be honest with yourself. Have I ever confessed? Have I ever declared? Have I ever in all honesty of my soul and in my spirit acknowledge Jesus Christ to be not only the Savior of my soul but the Lord of my life. And it says that I must confess it verbally. Why? It's twofold. Why? For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. Why? Why are you talking about death? Why are you talking about life? Because my friend, this is our condition in Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By His grace, you have been healed and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Honesty is the blessed policy. Just be honest with who you are in the eyes of God. Just be honest with yourself that without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for the salvation of your soul. And if you have not yet done so, may I ask you to be honest with God Himself. And with no one looking around, just between you and God, read this verse and ask yourself, have I really, honestly, sincerely received Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life? Have you? Or have you not? That's your choice. I am here just to present to you the Word of God. And you do it as you please. Nobody forces you. Not even God. May I encourage you to consider this promise that we read in Ephesians. Look. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And Ephesians tells us, And seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, where are you seated? Just be honest with what the Bible says. Where is your position? At the right hand of God together with Jesus. Without Jesus Christ, what is your position? Separated. Headed for an eternity in hell. You want to be honest with God? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Not only Savior, 
Many people believe Jesus Christ is their Savior, but they do not live like He is the Lord of their life. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, that in this place, men and women are being honest about who you are, about who they are, and about what's really going on in their lives. That's your department, Lord God. And I pray that no person leaves this hall, this worship hall, this sanctuary, without being honest with you. And if anyone in this room wants to be honest with you right now, admit that they are sinners separated from you. Honest to repent, to turn away from their sin. And honest to claim, to express that you alone can forgive them of their sin and save them and allow them to spend eternity with you in heaven. Will you speak to those people, Lord God? And will you allow them to express their faith in you this morning? And say, Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I express my desire to turn away from my sin. And I need your Holy Spirit living in me to help me do that. I open the door of my heart and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life not only to save me, but to be the Lord, ruler, master of my life here on earth. And I claim your promise through the Bible that if I confess with my mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I have your promised eternal life. If on the other hand you are here this morning and you're struggling, you already have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but you're struggling with something, perhaps it is time for you to be honest with God and release that which holds you back from loving and obeying God completely. Speak to the Lord. Tell Him that you need His help. Tell Him that you need people in your lives. God Almighty, we thank You that You are a loving and gracious God. That through the example of Joseph, we can look at the example of Your Son, Jesus Christ who left his lofty position, who was betrayed by his own brethren, his own brothers. He was mocked. He was declared Messiah one day and crucified the next. But because you sent him for us, after he completed the work that you have set out for him to do, he is raised and he is seated at the right hand of the Father.
This likewise, Lord God, is the exalted position of everyone who has placed their faith in Him. But Father, we need to be honest with ourselves. God, allow us to practice this truth in our lives daily so that we can experience the blessing of your ever-abiding presence in our midst. And even now, Father, we just want to thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's the message today? Honesty is the blessed policy. For our discussion time, share with your group your best kept secret. Okay, hold it. Your group is a secure group. Don't share your best kept secret and then it's on Facebook, on Twitter, okay? Now, why? So that we answer the question. How did you come out in the open about that secret? Okay? Now, how did the people around you react? And lastly, how can honesty help you in your day-to-day -day interactions? Remember, honesty is the blessed policy. For those of you who are here for the first time, thank you once again for joining us. In CCF, we do not pass around the offering plate, so we have an offering box out there. There are envelopes. And if you need the receipt, just indicate on the envelope and our treasurer will be happy to provide you those receipts. So, uh, you know, break out into your discussion groups now. Remember, don't force anyone to share if they don't want to share. Just keep the discussion within yourself. It is supposed to be a secure environment. Have a blessed day, everyone.